welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today's a different kind of topic. We're talking about a plant medicine and we're talking about combo. So I don't know if this is on your radar a lot at all, but this is a really, really interesting topic. And um, my guest, Caitlin Thompson, super interesting person who has done a lot of work in this area and actually runs uh, practitioner training programs. So, but before we jump into that, I want to talk to you a little bit about one of my top fitness hacks of 2024. How tired are you of spending hours you may or may not have on cardio and then add insult to injury with minimal results? Well, listen up because I've got a game-changing fitness breakthrough for you. It's called the Carol Bike, the science-backed time-saving solution trusted by experts for optimizing health and longevity. Carol's revolutionary reduced exertion HIT workouts, we call them rehit for short. With these workouts, you can achieve double the health and fitness benefits compared to regular cardio in 90% less time. Studies show that by doing Carol's quick, even just five minute workout just three times a week, you can improve your fitness by 12%, reduce the risk of type 2 diabetes by 62%, and even wind back your internal clock by up to 10 years. The science is actually really clear on this. Carol Bike is your ticket to a healthier, more vibrant life, and it gets to live right in your house. So here's an exclusive offer for you. You can get $100 off with code NAT. Don't wait any longer. Go to carolbike.com and unlock your path to longevity today. Now, let's talk about our episode a little bit. Would you apply secretion from a frog skin on your own skin if you were told that it can improve your mental health? So. In this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast, we're joined by Caitlin Thompson as she shares her personal transition to combo practitioner, revealing a profound chapter in her life where the battle with chronic illness steered her toward the unexpected healing powers of this traditional ritual. Her tale is one of resilience, bridging the gap between rigorous scientific analysis and the depths of spiritual practice. Caitlin helps us to understand the nuances of a combo ceremony from its rigorous participant screening to its diverse after effects. With a neurobiologist's precision and a healer's intuition, she illustrates the importance of respecting the body's response to the frog secretion and the profound emotional release it can catalyze. Her insights into the symbiotic relationship between combo, ayahuasca, and other plant medicines reveal a broader integrative approach to emotional healing and chronic conditions. Finally, Caitlin sheds light on the exciting research surrounding combo's potential in mental health and chronic pain management. Now, Caitlin's background is pretty interesting. She's um, Her background's in neurobiology with an emphasis in mood disorders and autoimmune conditions. In pursuit of her own health, Caitlin has studied nutritional neuroscience and helps people conquer their chronic health struggles, autoimmune and psychiatric conditions through diet, nutraceuticals, and other healing modalities such as combo. Caitlin is also an independent scientific researcher and is currently conducting the first human combo research in the field. Her past research has focused on psychedelic treatments for autoimmune conditions. Now, if you want to learn more about what Caitlin does, and if maybe you might be interested in becoming a or adding combo to your toolkit as a practitioner, check out combospecialist.com. Now, combo is with a K, K M B like Bob O S, well, specialist.com. Or you can go to medicinefrogcombo.com where you're going to find a lot of the research that she's published. And then combofinder.com to help you find a practitioner. Now, like I mentioned, Caitlin does offer practitioner training courses. So if you mention this podcast, you will save $100 off the final cost of your training. All right. So before we jump into the episode, I wanted to share a little bit about a true cellular health game changer. Supplements by BodyBio.com. I've been using their products and I particularly love the phospholipid complex, which we affectionately call PC oil. Have you ever wondered if you're truly taking care of your cells? Now, PC oil is a biological substrate, a phospholipid that contributes to cellular membrane structure and function. You can think of it like the building blocks that make up the cell membrane. Now, many people refer to the cell membrane as the brain of the cell. It decides what goes in and what comes out. 
So functionally, PC enhances the free passage of nutrients into the cell while helping to get the waste out, enhancing the process of metabolism. We all know the better cell metabolism equals better cell health equals a healthier you. Now, with over 25 years as a family business, Body Bio consistently crafts their supplements in-house in the U.S. They're never oxidized and they are never heat treated. Visit bodybio.com today and get 15% on your first order when you use code Natalie. And Natalie's with an H, N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E. And now let's jump into the episode. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Hey folks, we're back for another amazing show. And today we have Caitlin Thompson with us. Caitlin is... I don't know. I'm going to call you the combo queen for last lack of a better uh, <laughs> term right now, but you're going to clarify that. So welcome to the show, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation with you. Yeah. Well, me too. I mean, I've always been, well, I've been curious about combo since I first heard about it. And um, I think that it's one of those modalities, I guess I'll call it a modality for now. It's one of those modalities that and it elicits a lot of questions, a lot of confusion. And yet the people for who've gone there and for who it's worked, people like you, for example, have nothing but great things to say about it and incredible experiences. And so I'm really looking forward to this conversation and kind of diving into what do we know? What don't we know? You know, so why don't we start with how did you find Combo or how did Combo find you? Like what what led you to this place where this discipline has really become so central to your being? Yeah, it's uh, never would I have imagined that my life would look like this and be so focused around such a bizarre uh, ritual and, and thing in general. Um, so I first learned about Combo in 2011 in the jungle um, in, in Iquitos. I was at an ayahuasca retreat and I heard about it and nothing about it ever struck me as something I would ever want to consider doing. It sounded <laughs> like some crazy, stupid, dangerous thing that just the natives did. Uh, so I just kind of dismissed it. Um, but then a few years later, probably like five or six years later, a friend of mine that I knew from an ayahuasca community, he had told me about uh, his combo experiences. And actually, he's now a, a very successful practitioner as well. So we kind of got into this together at the same time. Um, so anyways, he was the first person who ever kind of described any of the benefits to it. And I was like, oh, and I was really intrigued. So he took me with him the next time that he went to a ceremony and I really had no expectations, but it was a time in my life where I was very um, exploratory, especially with psychedelics. And I was young. I was, you know, in my like early mid 20s. Um, so I'm just saying yes to everything at that point. Mm -hmm. And right at this time, I was starting to have some light shed on a chronic health condition that I had really had my whole life, but I didn't really know how sick I was because when you're born sick, you don't have a lot of contrast to mm. really know that, that things could be different. And I always felt that there was something that was not right. And I was always comparing myself to other people. And I'm like, why do I have to sleep 12, 13 hours? And my friends at the sleepover are sleeping eight or nine and things like that, where I just knew there was something going on. Um, so it was really at this point in my life where Combo came into the picture and Combo in a lot of ways helps me accidentally get better. Um, and of course there was a spiritual component and a, a psycho, psycho-emotional and somatic elements to my healing. But, um, the combo started to create that contrast between feeling more vibrant and my baseline of what I was used to. And it was in that process that I started to realize how sick I had been for a long time. And that led 
me to eventually discovering that I had things like Lyme disease and other chronic infections and, you know, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and food allergies and all sorts of things that I could have collected as labels like ankylosing spondylitis or fibromyalgia, eczema, you know, CPTSD, things like that. But at the end of the day, I would describe it as just a very unbalanced person um, who had a lot of immune dysfunction and autoimmunity and chronic inflammation and, and dysbiosis in general. Um, so it was never really like my plan to become a practitioner. It wasn't something I sought out, but you know, the medicine was so personally transformative for me and, and I was self-administering and then you know, my roommate or my good friend would ask me, well, can you, can you do it for me too? And I'm like, yeah, I guess. Um, and then suddenly I had strangers asking me and paying me. And next thing I knew I was acting as a practitioner, but I had no real training. Mm -hmm. So then I eventually did um, my actual certification training. Um, and, and it just exploded after that, the, the demand for it, and it never really slowed down. Um, so that's kind of how I arrived in the position of a practitioner. Like as corny as it sounds, it, the frog really did choose me and kind of um, decide that that's what I was going to do and, and created opportunities for that to happen that were just uh, laid out like a red carpet. Nice. Wow. That's that's quite a story. So you were you mentioned before we started recording that your background is in neurobiology. So mm -hmm. can you talk about that a little bit? Because that I'm sure that creates a bit of a backdrop or a foundation from which you, you know, once you started learning about the combo and learning about, you know, in as much as you can learn, because there's not there's not a, I mean, there's some research about it, but there's not a ton in the sense that, you know, the people who are funding research are pharma companies. And if they can't, I don't know, like right now, I guess maybe there's too much stigma around it. There's just not as much activity there as we would probably like. But talk a little bit about your neurobiology background and how that may have kind of influenced how you approach combo and where you've gone with it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm a science nerd, um, but I'm also a very spiritual person. And so sometimes people make the assumption that because I'm a scientist that I might be like overly reductionist and whatnot. But for me personally, even like in my undergrad studying science, um, I felt like I was um, studying the mechanisms of God and divinity uh, in a non-religious sense. And uh, so my frame of how I view, you know, the pharmacology of psychedelics um, and the peptides in combo are very much um, just a lens that I, I view more spiritual matters. Um, mm -hmm. But it's also important that we understand things on a molecular level, um, not only for safety, but also just to really appreciate the the artistry of these things in, in our bodies. Right. Yeah. Um, and you're absolutely right. There is really not a lot of research at all. So there's a handful of, you know, studies on the individual peptides that have been identified in combo, but there's, there's almost no human research, um, even with the individual peptides. And there's pretty much no research with the, the peptides in combination from the crude substance. I think right now I'm conducting the first prospective human um, study on combo wow. as it's taken, you know, um, transdermally by the ritualistic burning methods. But prior to that, it was like really in the 80s and 90s that Victoria Airspramer was the guy who did the initial identification of the peptides and mostly used them in animal models like guinea pig, dogs, rats, things like that, or even like um, in vitro. So it, we're still in like very immature days of combo science. And um, like you said, there's like tremendous amounts of anecdotal evidence that mm -hmm. it's beneficial as a whole process, but then pretty much no research to substantiate any of this in, in data. So that's what I'm in the process of doing right now. And I've also recently partnered with UCSD to do more sophisticated and, and supported research. But um, I'm hoping that, you know, we'll be 
wrapping up with the data collection by the end of this year for this study and then hopefully publishing sometime in, in 2024. Wow, that's amazing. That's really exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Maybe let's start with what does a ceremony look like? So th- so it's definitely their ceremony and ritual to this administration of of combo, which is essentially, a, you know, it's it's if we had to define it, we'd say it's kind of like a poison because it has to be taken in tiny doses and the body seemingly rejects it, right? The 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 physiological response is that one of purging. So maybe take us through, if you're willing to, take us through what a what a ritualistic administration of combo is. And then I'd love to dive into a little bit, what are some of the benefits that you've observed clinically? Because you've now administered this like hundreds of times, if not thousands. Um, so here we go. We're, yeah. we're diving in, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so this might burst some people's bubble, but um, the truth is, in the jungle, in the traditional uh, indigenous ways of using this medicine, there is no ceremony. There's okay. no songs. There's no spirituality. There's there's no ritual. There's no there's no anything. It's just a part of their their daily lives. And different tribes will use it in different frequencies and in different ways. But um, that is a common misconception. And I think a lot of people like to lump Cambo into ayahuasca, which has like a really, really rich shamanic element to it. But there is no shamanism at all in the use of Cambo traditionally in the jungle. So the element of ritual and ceremony is a Western adaptation, which I actually think is wonderful. And I think it Mm -hmm. provides um, a lot of value in in a container where we can have a more psycho-spiritual experience with it. Because, you know, the tribes like the Matses, the Yawanawa, et cetera, they don't really need that because their daily lives are spiritual. They're connected with the forest on a deep level. Whereas in the West, we're like so deeply craving the reconnection to our own spirituality. So that is something that is primarily, you know, something that the gringos do, which is fine and wonderful. Um, now, as far as what does a ceremony look like? Well, there is so much variation in how a practitioner may choose to um, like express the medicine in their particular offering. So the way that I like to serve, um, you know, I, of course, I always do like a consultation with people. I screen them, which is very important. Um, And I sit down with them and, and really talk to them about like, why are they there? And for me, I'm, I'm very adamant about using the potency of, of our own consciousness to uh, really accelerate change and intentional um, healing. Um, and then these medicines are just rocket fuel underneath that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll, I'll open with a ceremonial prayer and intention setting. And then I'll usually start them with hape, which is a tobacco snuff and something called sananga, which is our botanical eye drops that actually come from a plant that's in the same family as the iboga plant. So there's allegedly trace amounts of iboga alkaloids, such as ibogaine, things like that. Um, and I use these things prior because they really um, help ease people into like more of a parasympathetic relaxed state and also it helps them build some skills in navigating through the combo more gracefully. And then once we get through those, then I apply the, the secretion from the frog. Um, and this is where there's some variation as well. So um, if it's a first timer, I always do something called a safety point where I add just one point of the medicine and observe them for about four minutes in order to gauge what dosage is going to be appropriate because mm-hmm especially with the population that I work with, I have a lot of people who are quite sensitive because they have like Lyme disease or autoimmune conditions. Um, But in general, I find that we don't need to use a lot of medicine. Small doses is really a lost art that I reconnect to. Um, Anyways. uh, And then throughout the the ceremony, I'm singing, I'm rattling, I'm using sage, other instruments, providing words or affirmations or encouragement when when needed Um, but every ceremony is unique and different but typically the 
effects of the combo are lasting 20 to 30 minutes and it's, you know, there's vomiting, sometimes sweating. Um, sometimes people can get face swelling or need to use the bathroom. Um, or there can be emotional releases, shaking. It can look really different depending on the person's physiology and also the physiology of that unique frog that that secretion came from because they oh, have individuality just like we do. They're not producing the same peptides as their, their frog friend next door. So <laughs> um, there's so much variation. And it, part of the beauty of, of Cambo is it's like impossible to standardize which is part of why it hasn't been completely exploited by pharmaceutical industry. It's just incredibly complex and you really can't isolate one thing um, mm -hmm. and turn it into a drug because it's, it's the magic of the, um, the mixture of the peptides and, and also the essence of the frog, I think, you know, comes through and, and plays a role. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, to take a step back, just for people who know nothing about what we're talking about here, the way that combo is administered is the practitioner will basically um, basically create one to five, five being pretty heavy handed, but let's say one to five tiny little burns. Um, usually sometimes on the arm, I've seen them on the on the nape of the neck. I've seen them on the ankle, like different places. Um, and then the blister is scraped away and then the 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 compound the combo is administered to that either one two three or however many dots i think one to three is more standard um and the effects and and this is where we see you know we talk about this even in the with the peptides that i talk about the effect of peptides is so shockingly fast like you administer mm -hmm. it transdermal transdermally in this case or like to a wound i guess a small wound or even um by subcutaneous injection and the and the response is sometimes almost immediate yeah and in in the case of combo i think it is quite fast like that chemical messaging thing that happens is very fast and that will drive as you said like you know there's the purging which people talk about a lot um, and then the, the emotional thing. And so once that, and that can last, as you said, 20 to 30 minutes. And then once that's over and do you, do you find that, is it a one, one day thing? Like I've, I, sorry, I can't speak today, guys. I apologize. Um, I have found like I've been in, um, in the Dominican Republic and there's a practitioner there and he believes in three, three days, really fairly if not in a consecutively, maybe on alternate days, depending on the individual and to your point, how they respond. Um, have you, do you have that kind of practice? Does it really just depend on the person and how they respond? Do you find there's a magic number that seems to serve people more or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely encourage people to consider doing a series of three within a fairly close proximity. Um, so some people will opt to do three days in a row. Some people will space them out a week or a month apart. It really depends on the person and their goals. Um, something that's interesting that we're finding from the preliminary results of our study, because we are looking at the amount of time between the first session and the third session. Mm -hmm. And what we found, which is a bit shocking, but, but is in alignment with what I've always intuitively kind of preached, which is that... Um, the more space that people have in between their ceremonies, um, this is assuming they're happening in a 30-day period, um, the better outcomes that they're seeing in reduction of depression symptoms, mindfulness scores, emotional wellness, and life satisfaction, whereas the people who are doing the sessions in closer proximity Mm -hmm. They're having worse outcomes on the scores and they're also having higher scores of, of the challenging experience questionnaire because we're looking at, you know, whether if a more challenging experience yields better results, et cetera. Right. Um, and it seems to be the opposite where the people that are having a more challenging experience are getting less um, good results on the changes in the scales. Now that could be, it's not necessarily causation, right? Um, it could be that people that are having, um, more challenges in life might find the, the 
the challengingness of the experience to be higher. But it is significantly linked that we're seeing that the number of days in between the sessions is correlated with how challenging the experience is perceived to be. So um, ideally, I like to space it out a little bit and give people time to recover physiologically from the detox and the die off and, and all the just chemical and epigenetic changes that are likely occurring that we don't even know what they are mm-hmm. at this point. Um, and, and also time for integration. I, I think sometimes we, um, we get bought into this idea in our Western culture that if we're not suffering, if it's not intense and radical and, you know, crazy and strong, then it, then it won't be enough or, or we won't deserve our healing. And I've just seen that not to be true. And, I work with the medicine in a very yin way where I'm more concerned about um, using the container and the substance itself to teach the person how to train their nervous system to feel safe again, because Mm. it seems like everything always stems back to um, a nervous system and, and trauma, right? We get stuck in these these chronic stress responses because of childhood trauma or some other traumatic thing. And then we develop autoimmune disease or mitochondrial issues or whatever. And so when I kind of trace it all back, I found that targeting the nervous system and the psycho-emotional piece of illness um, is usually the, the most targeted way to address all the downstream physiological processes that have gone awry uh, due to really nervous system mediated dysfunction, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's a very interesting point. So it really speaks to the nervous system being, you know, and and it and it's and it's interesting, like speaking to the nervous system being. I don't know if it's being the driver, but being the underpinning feature of so many of these diseases that we're trying to address with drugs and physiological mm-hmm. means. And there, you get these people who are doing everything on paper and they're just not getting better. And nobody wants to say to them, and it's we're not saying it's all in your head. And yet it kind of is all in your head, not just not in that negative sense. It's all in your head in that if you don't address that underlying, like you say, this this underlying emotional peace and stuckedness that people end up in, the body can't move. Like the body yeah. can't shift. And Absolutely. that's might be even the immune system, right? Like, I mean, look, in mainstream, mainstream knowledge now people are starting to get their heads around if i'm chronically stressed my immune system is going to be depressed yeah absolutely I, the analogy that i like to use um because especially when i'm talking about chronic illnesses is very pertinent um it's as if say that the the extended trauma that one experiences maybe it's from moving a lot as a child or maybe it's just from having uh, an emotionally unavailable parent like it doesn't have to be that someone beat you or anything like that it can be these micro traumas right Um, but say that, um, you're traumatized as a child and whatnot. And sorry, I have a little brain fog for a second. (laughs) What was I talking about again? (laughs) Um, with having trauma and how it gets in the way of healing. Thank you. Sorry. Also spaced out. Um, so the analogy I use is say that that trauma is someone's turned on the sink in the bathroom and it's running, running, running. Eventually, the sink is going to overflow mm-hmm. and spill water everywhere. Now, over time, that, that's going to cause water damage. It's going to rot your floors. It's going to ca- you know, mess up your pipes. There's all this real tangible damage that's going to happen. So that is the physiological stuff, like the autoimmune mechanisms and the infections and the inflammation. That's all like the bathroom has been destroyed. So in order to fix it, Yes, you have to clean up the bathroom and get the towels and dry everything up and maybe replace some things. That's like the diet and the supplements and, um, you know, this and that or all these interventions that we can do to nourish our body. But if you don't turn off the faucet, (laughs) then you're going to be doing all this stuff to try to help your body. But your nervous system is perpetuating the pattern of maladaptive function. And so you really do have to simultaneously 
nourish and correct the, the dysfunction in the physiology while also addressing the state of the nervous system and the deeper psychological pieces that perpetuate the nervous system state. Uh, so it's very complex. And one of the things I love and admire about combo is that it really does address both of those things simultaneously, especially in the context of uh, a, a ritualistic container. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. I think it's, um, I think it's just, I think it's just so interesting. So interestingly enough, you've, you've delved into ayahuasca and other psychedelics and yet you picked combo or combo picked you, however you want, you know, combo chose you, but really you chose combo as this, as your principle. I don't know if you do the other, if you practice the others with patients or clients as well, but you, you chose combo. Why, why did you choose combo over the others? Do you think? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm definitely a psychedelic enthusiast and trust me, I've had a lot of experiences with those medicines over, you know, a decade and a half. Um, but with combo, I find that it's more effective for a lot of the things that I am passionate with helping people with. Yeah. And sometimes with my clients, you know, they go, Oh, I've been, I'm thinking about either doing ayahuasca or combo for my, fibromyalgia or my um, chronic fatigue or whatever. And I'm like, hands down, the combo is going to deliver more bang for your buck. And it doesn't mean that I don't think psychedelics are useful tools. I've published papers on psychedelics as novel approaches to autoimmune conditions. So I, I do believe that they have a place as well, but I just find the combo to be um, a more appropriate tool for those types of chronic inflammatory conditions. Um, and it's also more accessible for people. It's there. Um, it takes less time. It's less expensive. It's not psychedelic. So people aren't afraid of it in the same ways as they are something like ayahuasca. Um, so I just, I don't know. It just felt more resonating with me and what I would like to offer. Yeah. Well, and does ayahuasca reset the immune system? Because one of the things I've heard talked about around combo is there seems to be some degree of immune system reset that takes place for, I don't know if it's for everybody, but certainly for some people. And and it would speak to, you know, the population of people that you're seeing being helped by this, including yourself, like people with Lyme and chronic infections and autoimmune disease is, you know, my, my impression and is is that ayahuasca might be more up in the head kind of thing and combo is up in the head but also physiologically those that peptide cocktail whatever it is is you know it's epigenetically as you just as you mentioned earlier it's flipping genes on and off it's actually resetting certain systems in the body I'm sure that on a physiological level, ayahuasca is also doing things like this. Um, okay. And I know there are Im- immune modulating properties to things like DMT uh, and the Sigma-1 receptor and also the downstream effects of all the neurotransmitters. They're very immune modulating. Mm-hmm. However, just from a generalized description of the experience, I find ayahuasca can kind of take people up here, you know, above their head and, and pull them out of their bodies, which sometimes is beneficial, but I feel a lot of times people are already so detached from their bodies. And with combo, I find it kind of pulls you more down towards the earth um, and into the somatic experience of reconnecting with your body. And I think that is critically important for people that have, disassociated and become um, disembodied from trauma or just from a lack of mindful awareness of their physical being. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's really no way of cheating your way out of it with Cambo. I see yeah. people really try to disassociate with it and they struggle. They, they're just like in battle with it. And I'm like, I'll be like, Hey dude, you know, as soon as you just let go, you're not going to suffer. Um, so it's, there's no, the only way through combo is to allow and yeah. it's counter intuitive um, because sometimes you want to just like brace yourself and blast your way through, um, which is, which is a, a stress response 
pattern, right? Of just bracing yourself and smashing your through the wall with your head. Um, but Kambo teaches us that the only way through is to open and to not be contracted and to just allow. And as soon as we do that, our suffering completely stops. So it's the greatest teacher in that way. Yeah. So it, I mean, it speaks to surrender really. Absolutely. Hey guys, I have a quick break to thank our final sponsor for this episode, Neurohacker. Did you know that one of the major factors contributing to poor aging is the presence of senescent cells or zombie cells? These cells are old, worn out, remaining in the body, even after they've served their purpose, draining energy and nutritional resources, secreting inflammatory cytokines, convincing other cells to become zombies. And as we get older, these senescent cells tend to accumulate in our bodies, which can lead to decreased energy levels, reduced flexibility, slower recovery after workouts, and what's commonly referred to as that middle-aged feeling. Now, luckily, over the past decade, researchers have identified plant-derived ingredients known as senolytics that can aid in the natural elimination of senescent cells. One product that I use is Qualia Senolytic. It works like a monthly cleanse specifically designed to affect that aging process. All you have to do is take it for two days each month, and you can experience the benefits of its science-backed vegan ingredients that help your body naturally eliminate senescent cells. Now, the results can be remarkable, helping you to feel a decade younger within just a few months. So to try Qualia Analytic with a 100-day money-back guarantee, just visit neurohacker.com forward slash Natalie, and that's Natalie with an H, N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E. By using the code Natalie, you will save 15% off your first order. Now let's get back to the episode. So I wanted to go back to what you were talking about earlier, which actually was really interesting. I don't know why I went off on another tangent, but when you're speaking, you were speaking about spacing the treatments or the administration of combo and seeing better results. Like that's a really interesting idea, right? Because it speaks to allowing both the body and the mind. And you said it as well to integrate the experience and to maybe go through a process and allow for a certain amount of healing and recovery before you kind of go at it again. And so is that changing the way that you're offering combo to people? Are you really kind of trying to discourage people from doing this, the one, two, three kind of, you know, really fast successive treatments or is it still kind of up in the air or, or it might be different for different, I mean, I'm sure it's different for different people, but it's, it sure sounds like your research is pointing in a very specific direction here. Yeah. I mean, luckily I already was in a place where I was encouraging people to have more space in between. Um, so it hasn't necessarily changed how I practice or how I advise people, but, but now I have some data to actually support that opinion. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not just my subjective you know, take on things. Now I can be like, no, there's objective, you know, numbers that show that you're probably going to get more out of this. If you space it doesn't mean I won't do three days in a row. If somebody wants that, um, and request that, or maybe they're from out of town and that's yeah. what's most practical. I don't think it, I don't think it's bad to do that necessarily. I just think it's not ideal. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, okay, so let's. So we talked a bit about autoimmune Lyme, and so well, actually, let's go back to that a little bit. So you've definitely found it to be helpful with those conditions, but how much are you coaching people as well through? Like, I can't imagine you just do combo and you wake up the next day and you're all better, um, but maybe you are. I mean, definitely, you speak to it as having lifted the veil from you know you would, and and we see this all the time. People normalize feeling crappy. People normalize, you know, we adapt to survive, right? So we think that you're supposed to be tired all the time or be bloated all the time. Like we kind of get used to it and that's just the way we are. How fast did you see that shift happen for yourself or how fast do you see that physiological shift happen, happen for your clients? And how long does it stick? And do you have to then start applying other more conventional therapies, like whether it's supplements or probiotics or certain medications in certain cases. What are you, what are you seeing there? Yeah. The, the sad thing is um, I don't get to, to really know where people are on in their journeys long-term just through my mm. practice. Cause it's like, 
I do follow up with them um, and then, you know, hear sort of the acute effects from them, but there's so many just coming through and, and I have no idea what, what they're doing a year later. And that's why the study's also good because we do a three month long uh, follow up. So we can see where they're at on that three months. Um, but uh, yeah, unfortunately I have a very limited scope. Now, sometimes they will, they will work with me doing additional consultation with, you know, um, diet, nutrition, and other interventions and modalities, and I can kind of help them with a more um, multifaceted approach to healing from their chronic illness. And of course, I do offer opinions and advice on, oh, maybe try this thing and this thing and this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, it's important to to acknowledge that there's no such thing as a silver bullet. You need about yeah. 15 silver bullets, you know, and um, you really with chronic illness, you really have to find like the perfect storm of highly effective things that work for that individual. And it's going to be different for each person. And that's part of the fun is that you, you get to figure out the unique puzzle that is you. So in a way, having a chronic illness is a very intimate uh, process of knowing yourself on a deep level by exploring with all these modalities and such. But um, yeah, people do have dramatic results immediately after the combo. Um, and what I have noticed is that people, the the interventions that they are doing already, but maybe weren't working or, or getting anywhere with, they'll start having more momentum and spaciousness in like an upward spiral. It's kind of like the the combo like unclogs the the toilet or maybe like detoxification pathways and, and really like modulates processes that are natural to the body to do things like shuttle out heavy metals or um, boost a more robust immune response and then deal with pathogens that are overgrown, et cetera. So people do start to get, more momentum uh, with the other things that they're doing. Um, But, you know, for myself and for a lot of other people with chronic illness, having regular relationship with Cambo is really the best way to to get um, substantial results that are permanent. I had to use a lot of Cambo to get to a place now where I use it pretty much almost never. I really only use it when I'm in the jungle with the Matzes twice a year leading groups. So at that point, it's more of just a pilgrimage than um, a medical need. And I do use microdoses to manage infections and stuff sometimes. Um, But as far as like needing to go through the ordeal of a full purgative experience, I'm not in a place where I need it anymore. Um, But it took several years of regular, consistent, application but it was really you know there was a difference even between the first second third and fourth session the first session that i did it took me about a week of feeling like crap with like herx effects and Mm -hmm. you know being lethargic and achy and very sensitive and then the second time it took me about four days and then the third time it was like two days and then the fourth time I jumped up the next day, had tons of energy and ran up a mountain. And um, so there was like a very noticeable um, decrease in the recovery time. And my sessions were spaced like a month apart. So that wasn't even an aggressive treatment at all. Um, And then I did regular maintenance about once a month for the first year or so. And then I started feeling like I could go six to eight weeks in between sessions And then I started feeling quarterly, like every three months and then maybe every six months. And then I like looked back and I was like, wow, I haven't had a full purgative session in a year. I've just been microdosing to battle all these weird infections that you get living in Indonesia. Um, (laughs) So you do arrive at a place, hopefully, um, where you don't have to like keep doing all these crazy dramatic interventions and you can just enjoy your health and your baseline is going to be much higher. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. And and I do think another piece that you spoke about earlier that must come into play is the whole brain piece, right? The whole nervous system reset that 
you know, the nervous system is pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's going to go back to what it knows until you've repatterned it consistently. Yeah. Right. So I'm sure there's a piece of that going on. And then there's the piece of the physiology going on. And then probably you were also doing whatever else you were doing in between those sessions to help the body. But, but what you said that I think is still so really interesting is this idea that other, the other things that you do become more impactful mm-hmm. after the combo, right? That, yeah. that somehow the combo resets the terrain so that other things can land better or the body receives them better or responds to them better. Maybe to, to your point, it's a clearing of toxins and a reduction of toxin, toxic load so that things can start breathing again. So I find that fascinating. So before we we kind of get too too close to the end, one other we talked a lot about Lyme and and autoimmune, but you mentioned and on your website you speak to depression and other mental health conditions, which we're seeing obviously are off the charts at this stage of the game. Like I, you can't turn around without bumping into someone who's like, oh, you know, I got diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, OCD is like insanely on the rise, um, depression, that kind of stuff. So have you had much clinical experience or are you really focusing on the autoimmune kind of chronic illness piece? I mean, uh, that population is riddled with, you know, psychiatric things like depression, anxiety, um, trauma, things like that. So yeah, I have seen it be incredibly effective uh, for depression and anxiety. Um, One of the interesting results or preliminary results from the study as well was dramatic and sustained decrease in the inventory of depression symptoms score, which I wasn't, I wasn't like so anticipating. I mean, I guess it makes sense now from my clinical experience, but um, you know, I was so focused on like looking at how it would affect people with Lyme and autoimmune that I, I did not expect such dramatic lasting results um, in improvement in depression. And again, it's preliminary. So we, we haven't ran all of the 50 subjects. This is only based off of the first 18 subjects, but um, I think, you know, from the starting average score of 25, there was an immediate drop of an average to 15. Um, wow. And then three months later, that had digressed even more to, I think, um, 12 or, or 13 for the, the mean score. So the fact that this dramatic drop is not only maintained but actually continues on a small level three months later is pretty groundbreaking actually and i think those are the type of results we also see in like psilocybin research and Mm -hmm. ayahuasca research for depression so it it could be that um combo ends up really earning its um its application as an antidepressant intervention yeah. Well, it's interesting, right? Because it's an antidepressant intervention, not an, an antidepressant drug, right? So it's not the thing that you have to take every day. It's somehow this, it's it's this compound that somehow initiates or flips a switch in the, or a bunch of switches in the body that, again, executes some kind of a reset that allows things to fall into place, which is and breaks and maybe breaks these cycles, right? You get, it seems to me that in a lot of the depression and anxiety and all these other mental health conditions, there's like this, this, this self-fulfilling loop that people mm-hmm. get trapped in, right? Yeah. Like, and, and they are trapped. They're not, they're not there because they want to be, you know, like nobody's there because they want to be, but they get trapped in these loops and, somehow the whether it's combo or as you mentioned ayahuasca or psilocybin is it somehow breaking those those loops and allowing people to kind of break free both psychologically and from a nervous system perspective and physiologically yeah like having something that is so chemically disruptive um kind of throws a wrench in the the psyche's ability to have these holding patterns that 
result in this sustained stuckness. And definitely in psychedelic research, you hear a lot about them talking about the default mode network and how mm-hmm. the hyper connectivity or like excess connectivity of this this brain network that is responsible for kind of locking us into like the routine and the default, right? Where we're kind of like unconscious. And so psychedelics, you know, they disrupt that hyperconnectivity and actually add some chaos, um, which can be helpful if you have, you know, too much structure, but also on the other end of things, if you have like a history of psychosis or schizophrenia, where you already have, maybe a hypo connectivity of the default mode network. But anyways, I I suspect that Combo might be doing something similar where it's disrupting these really rigid circuits in our neurology, um, along with a bunch of other different mechanisms. For Mm -hmm. example, there's a peptide called deltorphin in Combo, and it's uh, an opioid peptide. And there is some rat research suggesting that um, administration of deltorphin um, through the vagal nerve effects has gastrointestinal protective effects against ethanol-induced toxicity. And the reason they know this is mediated through the vagal nerve is that when they cut the vagal nerve of the rats, the gastroprotective effects were not observed. So that's fascinating that like, There is changes in how the gut is responding to a toxin mediated by the nervous system and the vagal nerves connection. So there's definitely some gut brain access stuff going on. And, and, you know, of course there's opioid receptors, not only in the nervous system, but other tissues as well, along with all these other neurotransmitters that we think of as brain neurotransmitters, but they're all over yeah. and they're, they're embedded and innervated in the gut very intimately. A hundred percent. So you mentioned the word op- opioid. So that begs the question, people with chronic pain, do have you seen that it can be beneficial for them? Yeah. So definitely clinically, I've seen sustained um, remission from chronic pain. Um, now I think eventually it does come back. So I don't, I don't know what frequency would be needed for that. We we'd need more actual research, but it is also something that we're looking at in the study because um, yeah. we administer a pain questionnaire to see if people are having reduction in pain symptomology for prolonged amounts of time. But um, yeah, definitely there's at the least acute relief from pain. And what's cool is that these opioid peptides, they, bind very potently to delta and mu opioid receptors, and they don't seem to produce withdrawals or dependency like other more conventional opioids might. And interestingly enough, in the 90s, I believe, they did one human study with uh, one of these opioid peptides called dermorphin, Mm -hmm. and they found that it outperformed uh, morphine for post-operative pain management in humans. And then there was like no other studies after that, which I, you know, I have a suspicion why like, yeah, you don't want to step on the toes of of opioid opiate companies. So um, might've had something to do with that, but it was definitely uh, odd that it performed so well in the study. And then there was just nothing about it ever again. That is nuts. That's well, I mean, maybe who knows, maybe in the current climate where OIPIs are finally being held up as the the disaster, the human disaster machine that they've become, that interest could get reignited. Wow. And, And I guess for chronic pain, I mean, I just read a paper somewhere recently where it was yet another researcher speaking to chronic pain really residing in the brain. Right. Mm. It's really it starts here. Like the chronic pain could be in the hand, in the back, in the leg. And yet, and and he was actually speaking as well to neuro-emotional, psycho-emotional kind of links, but that, that, that pain really is initiated in the brain and it's being felt somewhere else. And I mm-hmm. guess it must be hitting the, the motor neurons or sensory neurons or whatever the case may be. And, and they get wrapped up in, in the whole thing. So, with the combo, it, it'll, again, it makes a little bit of sense that maybe 
it's those neurotransmitters, it's that brain thing or the nervous system reset that is really getting shocked and knocked out of its loop kind of thing. <laughs> yes. Highly technical terms from Nat Nidham. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are just making it real. Um, okay, so... All right. Well, let's talk about your, so you're moving to Indonesia, to Bali, which is super exciting. I'm, you know, I can only imagine. I've never been to Bali. It's on my wish list. Um, but you've also started a, pra- or you you have in place a practitioner training program. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because I do think like, how do people find a practitioner they can trust? Like where, where do people look? Do they listen to a podcast or is there some kind of like, what, what are the questions people should be asking of their practitioners so that they don't just, you know, sign up with someone who may or may not know what they're doing? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the popularity of combo has exploded. And with mm-hmm. that, there's also been an explosion of self-proclaimed practitioners and also self-proclaimed instructors. I, I'm seeing a lot of three day long, you know, weekends, bang it out, uh, practitioner training, which is mind boggling to me. I can't imagine what you could learn in three days that would make you qualified to hold the responsibility of, um, someone's life. But, uh, it is important to screen your practitioners and to investigate, you know, where their training has been done and how thorough it is. And so there's a few simple questions that you can ask, um, you can ask them, you know, where did they have their training? Where uh, or what type of safety practices and protocols do they have in place? Specifically, ask them, do you administer a test point or a safety point? Do you have water drinking protocols to protect against something called hyponatremia, which is the biggest harm that happens to people? Um, what is their protocol with escorting people to the bathroom. Um, if, if your practitioner does not do a medical screening, run far away. Mm-hmm. Um, that should be mandatory. They should do a, a medical history um, check with you. They should ask you questions. Um, and if they don't, then that's a huge red flag that they're taking all sorts of shortcuts and really not um, taking their, their practice seriously. Um you can use, I have, I made a website directory called combofinder.com. And so you can find a practitioner in your region and you can also see reviews that people have left with that practitioner, which can help you kind of vet um, if you want to work with that provider. The site is still fairly new, so I'm hoping it'll, you know, catch a little more momentum and, and be useful soon. Um, but it is there as a resource for now. Um, and yeah, really, I never imagined myself starting a practitioner training. Um, I, I started about two years ago with offering advanced specialty training to existing practitioners that was for, uh, giving them the skills to work, especially with people with Lyme disease and autoimmune conditions. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I more recently in the last eight months or so stepped into offering full comprehensive basic practitioner training courses. And I really did it out of a desire for harm reduction. I was, I was just appalled at the amount of practitioners that were being cranked out by these subpar trainings that I felt were insufficient. And I've, I've been getting a lot of people that come out of these trainings um, that are then coming to me for questions and, and filling in the gaps because they didn't really learn everything that they needed to learn to be safe and competent as a provider. So then I was like, I just need to make this as an available option just to protect others and to protect the the name of Combo. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really am trying to fight all the misinformation and recklessness that I'm seeing emerge with the accessibility of uh, information and education. Um, so I, I produce a lot of educational content for free that I just, I just want it in people's hands. I want them to know how to stay safe, even if they're buying a stick off the internet and self-applying, which I don't recommend, but I know people are going to do it anyways. So I, I really think we just need to share information to keep people um, safe and healthy if they're going to be experimenting inevitably with these things. So if anybody 
um, is interested in becoming a practitioner provider and wants to do it the the real way, you know, mm-hmm. where you really understand all the facets, the the safety, the science, and the spirituality, because all those things are critically important to um, being a well-rounded practitioner. So I have a training coming up, um, and we'll probably continue to offer them a couple times a year at least, um, assuming that they continue to be successful. So if anyone wants to reach out to me, feel free. It'd be my honor to be your guide and uh, support you on your journey. I love it. Thank you. So where can people find you? And I do have another question. So before where people can find you, are there people who should not do combo as a rule? Like, are there people who really need to stay away from it? Likely. (laughs) So (laughs) here's the thing about contraindications. Um, We don't really know what is truly contraindicated at this point. Combo has been introduced to the West so recently, and we are all in an experiment. So for me to say with any sort of certainty that something is or isn't safe is is not really fair or valid because there's no science to confirm this. Um, however, there are some cautionary conditions that are are wise to really ask yourself if the potential risk is worth the potential benefit. Um, so some of my hard contraindications are if someone is pregnant, we don't want to mess with that. No. <laughs> um, if somebody has had a heart attack or has like severe heart disease, you know, again, I, I just don't know if it would be worth the risk because there are substantial cardiovascular um, stresses on the increased heart rate and um, vasodilation and things like that. If someone's had an aneurysm or a stroke uh, or an embolism, Mm -hmm. Um, It might not be wise for them. I have made exceptions with some people who, for example, had a stroke due to the the stress of childbirth. But that is that is more like, okay, that makes sense why you had a stroke versus is this person predisposed with weak vasculature that could make them prone to having another one Um, and various things like that. Um, And then you should have caution with a lot of other conditions, especially these chronic conditions, they they do require specialty knowledge and caution from the practitioner. So if somebody has Lyme disease or Epstein-Barr or Crohn's or uh, lupus or any of these like chronic autoimmune related conditions, they really need to work with someone experienced. Um, And, you know, like you said, if someone's got like gallstones, I don't think they would necessarily be contraindicated, but um, we just we just don't know what could happen. Um, so we do need to just really think critically in these uncharted waters and assume assume all risk. Like we, yeah. even though combo is remarkably safe, even in people with very fragile health, um, we still don't know really that much about it. And it's important to acknowledge and understand that you are taking a risk and experimenting with your body um, if you have some sort of medical complication. And also sometimes things can happen to people who had no contraindication and no way of screening out anything or no pre-existing issue that could have been identified as a risk factor. So um, like anything, it's not risk-free. And luckily, it seems like the risks of harms associated with Cambo are predominantly avoidable by very simple safety protocols, such as administering test point, um, monitoring water intake and protecting against electrolyte disturbances, um, protecting against faints, accidents relating to fainting and things like that. Um, so those are really the main, the main ways to make sure that everybody stays safe. Love it. Okay. Well, now let's tell people where they can find you and learn more. Um, I think you have a great website. It's got a cute green frog, a couple of green <laughs> frogs on there. <laughs> um, Thank you. Yeah. But let's, let's uh, point people in the direction of the resources. Yeah. So if, if anyone is interested in um, seeking out educational resources to become a practitioner, or if they already are a practitioner, um, my site, cambospecialist.com is the best resource. I also have my own private practice website, which is medicinefrogcambo.com. And I have some informational articles on there about the science of Cambo, how to choose a 
uh, the right practitioner for you, uh, everything that you need to know about Combo. So there's a lot of, you know, frequently asked questions and things like that, resources for people to learn more. And then if you are looking for the right provider for you that's in your region, you can try on combofinder.com. Hopefully you'll have luck. Like I said, it's a newer venture, mm -hmm. so it's still in the early adoption phase. So the more people that use it, uh, the more practitioners will get listed and um, the easier it will be for people to find the right provider for them. Okay, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. I think that to your point, there's still so much we need to learn about Combo, but there's you know, there's people like you who are actually doing research, which I imagine you're going to publish your research results on your websites when they're ready for for sharing in the, in, in the next couple of years. And that's just going to start building that body of knowledge that's going to help to, you know, help ultimately help help more people. I sure hope so. Yeah, there's a, a couple of studies I've already published that are on medicinefrogcambo.com. So if anyone wants to read those, there's some information already out there. Okay, well, Caitlin, thank you so much for your time today. This has been amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. Appreciate it. Before we wrap up today's episode, I'd love to invite you to join my biohacking superhuman performance community, aka the BSP community. This is a place where we dive deeper into longevity science, peptides, and bioregulators. If you're looking to get into the nitty gritty on these larger topics, this is the place for you. Plus, we hold weekly Q&A sessions, either with myself or with special guests for live interviews for you to join, and you can ask questions to the community for everyone to answer along with myself. It's an amazing community. If you want to join, head over to natnidham.com forward slash BSP dash community to join or find the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for your continued support and for tuning into today's episode. I wish you all the best this week in your biohacking superhuman performance. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the biohacking superhuman performance podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application, just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.